Thanks for tuning in to 318 Live Podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you are loved. And we're praying for you. We're praying that each message will encourage you no matter what journey you find yourself in. We hope you enjoy this message. to be here. Um, you know, a funny thing is, is being a part of Through and It Live, a lot of times people would say, hey, how long have you been here? And I'm like, from the beginning, day one, you know, you don't make them feel bad. So you're like, oh, I just, you know, I come every once in a while, you know, but the truth is, is I was an intern at Shreveport Community Church when Through and It Live was started and Brandon Mitchell worked there. So I knew him and he said, yo, you've got to come out. And I got to say, I've been truly, truly blessed by being here and being apart for eight years. Um, everyone that's been around and just comes at all knows that it's a huge blessing. Um, I got to welcome my family, my mom and dad and sister here. What's up? Woo woo! Thank you guys for clapping. Yes, so happy that you're here. Um, and also, gotta honor the house that Jenny Green would trust me with the microphone. I guess you turn 25 and people let you speak in public. I don't know. I guess that's the secret to life. Um, and also, last but not least, I have to honor the house. This is North Point Community Church where we have 318 and pastors, Philip and Destiny, are incredible. I gotta say, next to my two parents, they are probably um, the people who've taught me the most about anything. And honestly, I gotta say, if they were, you know, 10 years older, we'd have to do like a paternity test because they're, I'm so much like them and they're like me. And so it's kind of a, a great, um, a great relationship. True story. Um, anyways, I'm so excited, you guys. It is December. It's the Christmas season. Are y'all excited? Amen. Amen. Amen for presents. Amen for cookies. Amen for, you know, Christmas tree scented candles, you know, amen. I love it. It's so great. Um, it's a great season. It's really beautiful and wonderful and emotional and busy. And so that being said, I'm so glad that you made time to be here tonight in December. Busy time. Anyways, before we get started with the actual word, um, I just want to pray real quick, if we could just bow our heads. Um, God, I just thank you for what you're going to do tonight. God, I just ask that you would um, just let every heart be open to you, God. Let every mind be open to receive from you, God, just whatever you have. God, I pray that tonight that our hearts would be changed, that we would see you face to face, even if it's for the first time, God, that we would encounter you, God, and we would know it. And everybody said, amen, amen. Okay, so we are going to start tonight in Ecclesiastes. If you would, open your Bibles if you have it. If not, we're going to have a big Bible in the sky. Bible in the sky. We're going to start in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 12 through 14. If you're unfamiliar, Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament right after Proverbs. If you haven't read it, it's cool. I understand. No shame. Um, it's actually a pretty emotional book. It is a book written by Solomon, Solomon being the son of David, King David, whom you probably know. Um, a little bit about Solomon. Solomon was very wise. Um, in fact, he had supernatural wisdom from God. God gave him a gift of wisdom. So wise. Also, he was very wealthy. Um, it's really possible that Solomon is the wisest person to live and the wealthiest person to ever live. There's accounts of him basically doing extravagant things. You know, basically a modern, a modern day Solomon says, you know what, I want a yacht. And so he got a yacht. That is Solomon. I want you to understand the author that we are um, reading from tonight. And so Ecclesiastes 12, 12 through 14, we have Solomon... Um, 
talking about kind of what's the point, what's the point of life. He, he's lived this extravagant lifestyle, this above and beyond abundant, wealthy lifestyle, and he comes down to this moment of clarity. He just wants to know, man, how, how do I live an abundant life? How do I live a fulfilled life? And he, he says this, um, Verse 12, he says, or verse 13, rather, here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. Fear God and obey his commands. You know, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Thank you, Solomon, for making it easy. I know you're super smart, and some super smart people make things complicated. You really helped us out. It's really simple. Um, How many of you have a friend in your life that just simplifies things for you. You call them when you're feeling a little bit emotional. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you so much. Um, that friend for me is Matt Barkley. Don't tell him. He's going to get a little bit prideful about it. But um, I call Matt Barkley when I'm feeling a little, uh, you know, emotional, a little uh, irrational. You know, something happens at work or happens just in life, and I just call Matt and I say, Matt, am I being irrational? You know, I tell him a story, and it's so funny because oftentimes he, he comes back and he says, yeah, Camille, you're being irrational kind of the kind of puts the reality into it. And it's so funny because those people, we need them, but you're just like, man, Matt, if you could just let me feel my feelings for a second, you know, if you could just like relate to me for a second and not say these things that are so true, you know, like it's so true and it hurts my feelings, but it's so true. Well, we need those people. And here's the thing is Solomon here in Ecclesiastes is doing that for us. You know, sometimes we get a little bit confused. We make this Christian thing a little bit complicated. We come to the end of maybe an extravagant period of our life and we say, oh my gosh, what is this all about? Why am I here? What am I doing? Why am I in school? Why am I dating this person? I'm really confused. How did I get here? What is the point? How do I actually live a fulfilled life? And so here we go again. Solomon comes to our help. He uncomplicates things. He's our Matt Barkley in this case. Again, don't tell Matt Barkley. He might be watching, so what's up? Um, And so, again, Solomon breaks it down, and I'm so grateful. So, number one, he says, all you do is you fear God. First of all, you fear God. This is your number one step if you're trying to live a fulfilling life, an abundant life, you fear God. And I don't want you to get... um, Stressed. Don't get stressed about the word. He's not saying to be afraid in the sense that we know to be afraid. He's not saying be terrified. He's not saying, you know, think that God's going to strike you down with lightning. That's not it. In fact, he's saying be in awe of God. Be filled with awestruck wonder at God. And what does that look like? That looks like rehearsing and remembering what God has done. When you think about him and you think about how majestic and how beautiful our God is, you're filled with wonder. You say, man, God brought me through, and you're filled with faith. That is being filled with awe. And I have a question. Are you living like that? Are you living with this awestruck wonder? Are you staying in the story? Are you telling people your story? Are you asking them their story? Are you listening? Are you talking about the things of God? That is how you stir up this wonder. And here's the thing. I don't want you to be weird. Don't be a weird Christian. You know what I mean? Girls walking into Sephora, you know, you got some lipstick. You're like, I'm going to check out. I'm going to make it out with one thing. And you get to the register and the lady says, ma'am, are you ready? And you say, yeah. Don't say, just a second, uh, let me pray about it, God. 
you know, should I get this lipstick? The answer is yes. First of all, get the lipstick always. But listen, you don't have to pray about everything you ever do. You have the ability to make decisions. But the thing is, this is a mind thing. This is a heart thing. This is a soul thing of keeping God on your mind, about thinking about him, about thinking on him, about what he's done and what he's doing. Are you staying in the story? Are you staying in the story of what he's doing? That is how you get awed. That's how you get filled with awe. You know, recently I had an opportunity to be kind of a part of a a friend's little miraculous story, if you will. I was just driving down the road just randomly one day, and the Lord just brought a friend of mine to mind. And he said this word, weeds. Weeds. And I was like, weeds? Like, you know, weeds, you know, I don't, I don't pick them up. I just, you know, my dad's the one that does the gardening. He says, do you want to help me? I said, you got it. You got it. Weeds, as in in your garden, you don't want them. You want to get rid of them. Weeds. And I just keep hearing this. And you know, the Lord is funny. Sometimes he will just give you a word. He won't even tell you the full thing. He'll just give you one singular word. And he just keeps bringing people into mind. And you think, okay, well, God, you've told me about 30 times the word wheeze. I guess I better call my friend. Let me call her. Let me see what this is supposed to mean. So call my friend, and I'm like, hey, um, just thinking about you, and I really feel like the Lord is saying the word weeds. And I can almost feel this, like, audible, like, what? You know, like, what do you mean? What do you mean the word weeds? And I said, you know, I just, it's the word weeds. And it's so funny. Um, this is just a little side note, but as Christians, As people who have a heart, it's so tempting to kind of let people off the hook sometimes because we are emotional people and we want to say, it's okay. It's okay. You know what? The Lord actually just said grass. He didn't say weeds. He just said grass. He just said like ugly flowers. He didn't really say weeds. He said pansies. You know what I mean? He said whatever. And it's so tempting to want to let someone off the hook. But when you know what God has said, you have to stick to it. So I said, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. It's the word weeds. And I'm like laughing because I'm on this side of it. You know, I get to just tell her and, you know, live my life. Um, So it's the word weeds. We hang up. I don't really think about it. And I I knew that she received it, but I was like, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to pray that she does really receive it because I feel like she was a little resistant, you know. And I was just like, God, you know, help her. Open her eyes to what you're doing, um, to what it is that you're doing with weeds. Just help her. Didn't think about it. Moving on with my life, um, the next day, wake up, and I have a text message, all caps, Camille, O-M-G. You're not going to believe it. I'm like, what? What is it? I text her back, what's going on? What's going on? And I forgot that she was going to this conference um, with her pastor or something. And so she was in a session. You know, conferences start early in the morning. She's in a session. And she texts me back, and she says, Camille. Levi Lesko just came out. If y'all know Levi Lesko, he's a pastor, a speaker, an author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some little shouts. He's great. Anointed. The point is he's credible and he's anointed. And so I said, okay. And she said, Levi Lesko came out. And he said, the topic of my talk today is weedership. Weedership. I about fell out of my bed. I said, shut up. It's a weedership. Oh, my gosh. I had to check my heart um, from gloating because I was like, I done told you it was the Lord. I done told you it was the Lord. He told me weeds. And I stuck to it and didn't let you off the hook. But here's the thing. God is so good 
that he wants to know us on such an intimate level that he will do those kind of things for you. He will tip you off when you're supposed to pay attention to something. Because how many of you know if God hadn't direct put someone in her steps to tell her about this before, she probably would have heard the message and said, oh, not for me. Great, great word, Pastor. Levi, you're great. This was great. I'm going to write it down and think about it later. But because the Lord was so good and wanted to speak to her directly, she was able to recognize the voice of God. She walked in there and said, you know what? This is for me. I need to listen. And here's the thing. What happened for me is hearing this story, hearing the confirmation that God had done this wonder started to grow into my heart. I said, oh my gosh, that is Jesus. And I saw Jesus in me and I saw Jesus in her and I saw Jesus in the story about weeds. He was in the story. You know, this Christmas season that we're in, um, it's a wonder-filled season. You know, everyone knows the Christmas story. The shepherds are on their way to meet baby Jesus. Sweet baby Jesus, yes. Ricky, Bobby, I know you can laugh, it's fine. Baby Jesus, they're going to meet him. Shake and bake. Thank you so much from the front row. I appreciate it. Um, and so the angels, oh, the second row. I'm so sorry. The second row. Shake and bake on the second row. So we have the Christmas story. We have the shepherds headed to see baby Jesus, just got born. And the angels come down from heaven to announce his arrival. And they say to the shepherds, because they show up with all these lights and trumpets and things, and they say, hey, don't be afraid. I bring good tidings of great joy for all of the people. And just a side note, again, um, we can learn so much about Jesus through the Christmas story. Notice he says, great joy for all the people. Every nation, every tongue, every sex, every skin color, every religion, all the people. Just a side note. So the angels say, don't be afraid. I bring good tidings of great joy. In that same passage in Luke, it says that the glory of God shone around the shepherds as the angels appeared. And then an entire heavenly host, so think an entire choir of angels shows up. It's just, you know, chilling in the sky. And they welcome Jesus with song. What I would have paid to have been there for that concert, come on. Once they stopped, you know, shivering in fear, I bet they just loved it. So here we have the shepherds listening to the angels. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that happened. You have to understand. The angels were testifying about the glory of God. You understand? They came down. And I imagine that when they sang, you know, glory to be God in the highest, they didn't sing, you know, like this, you know, glory, glory be to God. I imagine they were shouting because their, their faces gave them away. They had been waiting for this moment to announce the arrival of Jesus Christ. They were waiting for this mission, for this moment to announce Jesus. And so they're testifying to, to Jesus in the earth. And you know what happens? What it says, it says that afterwards the shepherds made haste. You know, I'm not really sure how they were walking before, but I know that once they heard the testimony of Jesus' glory, they were filled with wonder and they made haste. Because when you are made aware of the wonder of God, it affects your feet. You are able to move and you're motivated to move towards Jesus. Your feet are affected when you are made aware of the glory of God. 
And you know what's kind of funny is we didn't really talk about this, but, you know, there's a lot of verses in the Bible, so some things kind of get, uh, you know, looked over. But actually in Ephesians 5.19, it says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Sing to one another. I'm not saying, you know, get a banjo and like knock on random doors. Please don't do that. But I want you to think about... Any time that you've been in a worship setting, of course, when you're singing and you're worshiping, you're praising God, obviously. And it's the Bible says it's like a fragrance to him. It's like an incense to him when you worship him. But when you worship God, you are affecting the people around you. How many times have you heard, you know, your neighbor to the right or you've heard some guy um, two rows back and you hear him singing, what a beautiful name. And you think, oh my gosh, it is a beautiful name. He is good. And you just... You are made aware of the wonder. You're filled with wonder. That's what that is. You're filled with faith. And you say, you know what? Jesus is good. He is beautiful. That is what that is. And what's funny, you know, being in this uh, millennial generation, there's pros and cons, lots of pros. One of the pros being good vibes. You know, good vibes only. Good vibes only. If your party has bad vibes, I'm leaving. Good vibes only. Come correct. Yeah, you better come correct. But here's the thing. I think that sometimes we let, you know, culture influence the church a little too much. And you come into a church and you say, you come into 318 and you say, man, I love the vibes. The vibes. The vibes are so cool here. The energy is so cool here. People wear cool clothes. The vibes. The vibes. I mean, yeah. There are cool vibes here. But let me tell you, what you're really feeling is the wonder. When you're in a place where people are testifying about Jesus, the wonder of God is what you're feeling. It's the wonder. And I want you to get this, and I want you to be aware that this, that feeling, that thing that you are aware of, is what you're supposed to be living your life in. That feeling of God is here, and he's real, and he's for me. That is wonder. Just a little warning about, about being in awe. Different things, because we live in a fallen world, will try to steal your wonder. You know, maybe, maybe it's a medical diagnosis. Maybe you're um, failing a semester at school. Maybe it's a financial crisis. Maybe it's mental illness. There's plenty of, of issues and things going on that could try to steal your wonder and your belief that God is good and that he's for you. But here's the thing. A diagnosis like cancer is not the point. Jesus is the point. Jesus is the point. Cancer is not going to get our attention. It's not going to get our words. We're not just going to talk about it all the time. Cancer is not going to steal our joy. Cancer is not going to be the focal point. Jesus is bigger than cancer. He's bigger than every issue you could ever have. He's bigger than every circumstance, and we're not going to let any circumstance steal our awe and our trust in Jesus. We're not going to let it happen. And so back to Ecclesiastes, you know, Solomon's breaking it down for us. Thank you so much. I appreciate the simplicity. He says, you know what? To live a fulfilling life, you have to fear God and do what he tells you to do. I got to be honest, second point, um, a little less popular, uh, obedience isn't a really fun word, 
you know, doing what God says to do isn't a really fun word. Um, being a particularly headstrong person, I understand. You know, you just want to make your own decisions. My parents can testify. Mom and dad said amen. You know, I'm really headstrong, so I get it. I get it. It's hard to do what someone's telling you to do, especially God. Um, you know when you just had those friends that you're trying to tell them a story and you just want to tell them about your decision or just an issue coming up and before you can even finish, they say, well, did you pray about it? And you're like, no. <laughs> no, I didn't pray about it. Like, it just happened and I want to talk about it and I want you to listen and not interrupt me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, no, I didn't pray about it. But at the same time, you're like, oh, yeah, I probably, probably should pray about it. You know, or you go to see your grandma, and you're like, Grandma, like, I just, I'm confused. You know, do I marry him? Do I not? He's great. I don't know. I'm 24. I'm kind of young. Whatever. And your grandma's like, well, what did God say to do? And you're like, what did God, you know what I mean? You're like, okay, well, yeah, you're right. You're right, Grandma. You're right. I probably, probably should ask God. But again, it's just like, man, why you, why do you got to do me like that? Why do you got to say all these truthful things that hurt my feelings? Like, just listen to me. But here's the thing. <laughs> when God is telling you what to do, you need to do it. You need to do it. When he's telling you directly what to do, you need to listen and you need to do it. And honestly, I believe that just because we're a room full of young people that there's a lot of people that God's been telling you to do something and you're not doing it. You're putting it off. And I know, I know this is probably kind of a harsh way to, to find out about you putting something off, but you're putting it off. You're putting it off. I'm sorry you got to hear it from me, but you're putting it off. And you know what? Your, your phrase might be different. You might say, man, it's not the right time. I'm not in the right place. I'm not in the right financial place. Um, I don't have the right relationships. I'm not accomplished enough. Whatever it is, whatever phrase you've put to it, you're putting it off. You know what I mean? You're putting it off. But here's the thing. You know, and I know, and God knows that it's from him. What he's told you is from him, and he needs you to move. In our current Christian culture, you know, we kind of use this phrase like following Jesus. We say, hey, man, are you, are you a follower of Jesus? Do you love Jesus? And we don't really say, are you obeying Jesus? You know, kind of that word obey doesn't really just, you know, roll off the tongue. You know, hey, Katie, are you obeying the Lord lately? How's your obedience? You know, you don't really say that. You're just like, oh, yeah. Sorry, Katie, not to call you out. But it's just like we don't, we don't talk about that. But let me tell you. It's the same thing. Being a follower of Jesus means to be obedient to Jesus. You can't follow him and not obey him. You can't love him and not obey him. If you love Jesus, you will obey him. If you're following Jesus, you will obey him. But here's the thing. God outlines um, what obedience means to him, and it's really important that we understand, um, understand his opinion on it. So we have 1 Samuel 15, 22. You might have heard it before, but I don't know if we put enough um, emphasis on it. 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Which one? Obedience is better than sacrifice. 
And then in the message, I like what it says. It says, do you think that all God wants are sacrifices, empty rituals just for show? He wants you to listen to him. Obedience is better than sacrifice. But here's the thing. Sacrifice is so much more sensational. It's so much more fun. It's so much more cool. You get to, like, do things for people. And they say thank you, and they think that you're nice and fun and cool. But here's the thing. How many of you know it's so much easier for me? I like to bake, by the way. If you need anything, let me know. But it's so much easier for me to bake a pie, to bake a pie for every neighbor on my street and knock on their door and say, oh, my gosh, Merry Christmas. Jesus loves you. Uh, Hope you have a great December. It's so much easier to do that than to set up a family meeting and apologize for the attitude I've had for 25 years. (laughs) We worked it out. It's fine. (laughs) But how many of you know that's easier? It's more fun. Here, I made you some cookies versus making these hard decisions, making these hard calls. It's so much easier to say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go on a mission trip. I'm not dogging mission trips. Mission trips are amazing. You should go. We're called to the nations, and you should go to the nations. But are you ignoring what Jesus is saying to you every day in a still, small voice? Is he saying, hey, set up a meeting with your boss because you've been giving one-fourth of what you have? You need to apologize. You need to ask for you to be restored, and you need to ask for more work because you're not pulling your weight. What is he asking you to do? Are you, are you just accepting all of these sensational things and pursuing sensational things because it's fun? What is God actually saying to you? And here's the thing. Don't think that I'm just saying this. I've been there. It's hard. It's so hard to do exactly what he's saying, to be on the edge of resisting God, but also wanting to live an abundant life. I've been there. But here's the thing. You have to do what he says. You can't make up for disobedience with a bunch of acts of kindness. You can't make up disobedience with a bunch of acts of kindness. It's not about works anyway. It's not about works anyway. And at this point, you know, you might say, Camille, great word. I love it. I'm not going to bake cookies anymore. You know, I'm only going to have family meetings. Great. I love it. Thank you so much for the clarity. Um, But I just, I don't know how to hear from God. Like you're saying, you know, do what God says, but how do I know what he's telling me to do? You know, how do I know? Well, it's actually pretty, pretty simple. There's really just kind of three quick ways to know when you're hearing from God. So first of all, scripture. Scripture, number one, always. Whatever you're hearing from God has to line up with the word. God's not going to tell you something that's against his character. He's not going to tell you to kill someone, obviously. It's going to be against his character. You have to line up with scripture. The God who wrote the book, who wrote the Bible, is still alive. And so it makes sense that you would line up what he's saying now to what he said then right? Because he's the same today and yesterday and forever. So you got to line it up. Say, is this from God? I don't know. Let me go check. Let me go look in the scripture and see what he says about this. Here's the thing. It's really easy to get caught up in emotion, you know? Well, I think God said this. 
Well, if God is saying, eat pizza every day, that's emotion. That's your stomach. God is saying, please, eat a vegetable, any vegetable, pick a vegetable. God is not telling you to eat pizza, okay? You just need to, you need to listen and you need to check what he's saying with the word. Secondly, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us, he's for us, and he's in us. Here's the cool thing. The Bible says that whenever you profess that Jesus is Lord, that the Holy Spirit fills your heart. So if you say, man, I've never you know, accepted the Holy Spirit. Well, he's already in you. The moment that you accept Jesus, you have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's with you. And here's what's interesting The Holy Spirit, of course, is the spirit of Jesus. When Jesus died and rose again and went into heaven, he actually told his followers in Acts, he said, you know what? It's actually better that I go because I'm sending my spirit to be with you. Because when Jesus was here, he was just one man. You know, he was with he was with the time, he'd have 30 people around him, a few hundred people, thousands, but he was so limited. Now we each can have the Holy Spirit with us all the time. The Holy Spirit will prompt you, he'll nudge you, he'll guide you, guide you, he'll say, it's time to move on, it's time to quit your job, it's time to start a new job, it's time to get married, he'll tell you what to do. And just a note about the Spirit, I don't want you to be um, afraid of the Holy Spirit, because here's the thing. Each and every one of you was designed to know the Holy Spirit. Whenever Jesus made you, when God created each of you, he designed you to know the Holy Spirit. And again, as soon as you accept Jesus, you become sensitized to the Holy Spirit. So stop overcomplicating it. You know him. You know that you know him. You know that you hear him. You need to just believe that it's the Lord and also check it with scripture. And finally, the, the last thing you can do to just make sure that you're on track with hearing the Lord is community. You've got to have community. You've got to surround yourself with people who know the Lord and will verify things for you. So when I say, you know what, God told me this, and I bring it to Jenny, she can say, man, I don't feel like that's right. Or she'll say, man, I'm with you. This is God. This is exactly what you're supposed to do. And that's so important because you get to move forward with confidence, When God tells you something huge and crazy, you can confirm it with your mentors and your friends, and they can say, yeah, we're with you. And you can step into what God has knowing 100% God himself has set this up for me. He set this up for me. Each and every one of us can be stewards of the Holy Spirit. Each and every one of us can hear the voice of God and know that it's him and live out what he's asking us to do in our life. What is God calling you to do? What's he asking? What are you resisting? What's he saying? Um, I'm going to start to close, but there's actually another verse in Ecclesiastes that we didn't read. Um, Solomon goes on to kind of finish, and it's very interesting. In verse 14, he's kind of summing everything up. He says this. He says, fear God. Do what God says, and he says, and that's it. And that's it. Eventually, God will bring everything that we do into the open and judge it according to its hidden intent, whether it's good or it's evil. Thank you, Solomon. Um, That's not what I wanted to hear right now. I don't want to hear this on a Monday night, that everything I do is going to be brought out into the light. Like, no thank you. But here's the thing. You have to understand 
Solomon didn't know what we know. Solomon didn't know there was a baby coming. You understand me? Solomon lived before Jesus lived. Jesus came from the line of David, but he wasn't born yet because Solomon is just David's son. Jesus was years and years away. Solomon didn't know what we know. He didn't know that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem that he'd grow to be a man, that as a man that he'd live a perfect life, that he would die a sinner's death, that he would take on the wrath of God, and that when he died, that the wrath of God would be buried, and that when he was resurrected, that he would be the righteousness of God, and that he would be our living sacrifice. Solomon didn't know that. And still Solomon wrote that we should be in awe of God and that we should do what he says. So how much more knowing now the God that we serve that literally died for us, how much more now do we have a responsibility to live in awe of him and to do what he says? And here's the thing. It's really easy to think that because there is heaven and hell, it's easy to think that we're just we're destined we're destined for anger. But here's the thing in um, in First Thessalonians five nine, the Lord writes. He says, "For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out His anger on us. He chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out His anger." And then in the Message version, he says, "The Bible says He died for us a death." that triggered life, a death that triggered life. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we get to live this abundant life. This is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. This is the reason that we celebrate every day that we have a God that came for us. He chose us. He did what no one else could do or no one else would do so that we could be with him forever. And here's the thing, now it's our duty, as Solomon wrote, it's our responsibility that we would live in awe of him, that we would rehearse, that we would revisit, and we would remember what God has done, that we would declare his majesty and his greatness and his glory, that we would know that he's with us, and that we would talk about him, and so that others can be filled with that same wonder. That's our duty, and that we would listen, and that we would do what he says. Whatever he says, that we would do it. Here's the thing. Our God is so great. And he's greatly to be praised. He's worthy of our honor. He's worthy of our trust. And he can handle your big cosmic questions. He can handle it. Who am I? What am I doing here? What have I been doing here? That's even scarier. What have I been doing for 25 years? What is going on with me? What is the point? The point is that you were made to know Jesus and that you were made to live an abundant life for him. I want you to get this. I really do believe that there's people that God's been calling you to big things in this room. I believe it. I know it. I know it because he told me. I'm listening. <laughs> I know. I know that he's calling you to big things. And I don't want you to be afraid of what it is because this is what the word says. I've been reading over this for weeks and weeks now. Um, Isaiah 54. And this is where God is talking about the future of Jerusalem. His people. He's talking to them and he's telling them his plans. 
his plans for them. Isaiah 54, two, it says, he's telling Jerusalem, he says, clear lots of ground for your tents, make your tents large, spread out, think big, use plenty of rope. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. He wants to expand your life. He wants to expand your influence and he wants you to make room for him. I love this message that works so well with Christmas. With Christmas, you're making room for Jesus. You're making room for him in your life. Make a space for him to move. The thing is he has a plan and he wants to tell you all about it. Verse four says, this is the best part, you have to listen. Verse four says, do not be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, this is what he says to you today. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed when you step out. I'm with you. Don't hold back anything. Don't hold back your time or your effort. Don't hold back anything from what I have for you because I will not let you come up short. I won't let you. I'm with you. God is speaking this over us tonight. He's asking us and inviting us if we would just ask him to come and ask him what it is he'd have us do. He wants to bless us. If you would, just stand to your feet. We're gonna close. You know, if you're, if you're here tonight and you say, Camille, you know, if we're being honest, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know the God that you're talking about. I don't really know him. I've heard about him or I used to know him and I don't know him anymore. The, the good news is, is your time hasn't run out and you're here tonight. Your time isn't up and God is still good and he still wants you. He wants you to come and so he can comfort you. You know, the prodigal son, the son has gone away and it says that the father looks for the son from a long way off. He's been looking for you. He hasn't been mad. He's not, you know, sitting in his inside the house upset that you're not there. He's been actively searching for you. If you would just come back, if you would come down the aisle and return to him, even for the first time, he's inviting you to come. And if that's you, if you say that's me, I just ask that you would um, go to one of our prayer leaders on the sides. We'll have prayer leaders on the left and on the right when we go back into worship. They would love to partner with you. They would love to pray with you and work through whatever it is you're going through. They're with you. And if you would say, Camille, I've lost my wonder. I've lost my wonder. I want you to go to the prayer leaders too because God is still good. And there's, there's so much about him that he wants to tell you about. He wants to bless you with family. You know what? The Bible says that he puts the orphans in families. I really feel like there's someone who's left, left their, their faith because they feel abandoned. They feel abandoned. You feel like you, you're alone. Um, you don't have a family. You don't have friends that support you and love you. The thing is, is Jesus puts the orphans in families. And if you've left your faith because you feel like you're alone, it's a lie. It's a lie. And you need to pray with someone to break that lie because it's not true. God is good and he loves you and you're in his family and he'll bring you a real physical family. And lastly, if you'd say, Camille, man, God's been speaking to me for days 
years about something and I've just been, I've just been resisting, you know, it's not because I didn't want to do it. I didn't know how, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is. If, if there's something that God's put on your heart to do and you just haven't done it, I want you to go see a prayer leader. There's a common, a common theme here. But the thing is, is when you partner with someone in prayer, God is with you. The word says that where two or more are gathered, he's there also. Jesus will meet you in that place. And so right now, we're gonna go back into worship and we're just gonna have um, a time with God. I just ask that you would just take this time to ask God what he's saying for your life. What he would have you do. You can dream big. I give you permission to dream big. God, what do you have for my life? What kind of person am I gonna be? What do you have for me? And I promise you, he will come through. Um, But before we worship, I'm just gonna pray real quick. Lord God, I thank you for these people. I thank you for every person that's come here tonight, God. I ask that you would give those who know that they need to make a change in their life, God, give them the strength and the courage to move. God, that they would be inspired and motivated by the wonder that they feel. God, they would, that their feet, their feet would be affected by the wonder they feel in their hearts, God, of knowing you and knowing that you're good. God, I thank you that you're restoring relationships with you, that you're restoring family relationships, God, that you're fixing the things that are broken. God, that you're bringing the brokenhearted near to you, God, and you're making things right. God, I thank you that you're an advocate for these people. You're making things right for them, God. You're going before them and making a way. God, we just love you so much. We thank you for all that you've done, God, and what you're gonna continue to do. Amen. If this message encouraged you and you want to know more about 318 Live, go ahead and visit our website, 318live.co, and we hope that you have the best day ever.